Chargers general manager Tom Telesco had his end-of-the-year press conference, and he may have given a little bit of insider information on what the Chargers might do with their impending free agents. You are Locked On Chargers, your daily podcast on the Los Angeles Chargers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up and welcome into the Lockdown Chargers podcast. I'm your host, Daniel Wade, joined as always by my co-host, David Drogemeyer. And we've been covering the Chargers together now for seven seasons, but this is our fifth season as a host of the Lockdown Chargers podcast, bringing you your team every day. Thank you guys for making us your first listen today, as always. And to make sure you never miss the show, go subscribe to the Lockdown Chargers YouTube channel and also follow the show for free on all platforms, wherever you get your podcast from every day, even in the off season. But today we get to talk about Tom Telesco's end of the year press conference where we got to hear what he thought about some of the impending unrestricted free agents for the Chargers. Big names like Drew Tranquil, Trey Pipkins, and Nazir Adderley, and those weren't really great. But how much can you take from it? Because he said some great things about some guys who got let go after the 2021 season. So we'll talk about that and also what he thinks about the Chargers' new offensive coordinator, why the Chargers seem to hate speed pretty much everywhere, and also get his thoughts on the Chargers' rookie class and some guys who didn't get to play that much and some guys who played really well for them, like Jamari Sawyer and Zion Johnson. But today's episode is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockedOnNFL. David, we heard from Brandon Steele, and we had our thoughts about that. And I think there was a lot of, you know, of the same things we heard both of these guys talk about. There's some clear messaging going into this offseason and what their vision is. A lot of it has to do with the running game, you know, and we'll talk about that later. That's a big part of an offensive coordinator. But one thing that is really the biggest part of the offseason is who the Chargers are going to resign. And they're in a very tricky position with their free agents because they are over the cap in 2023 as it stands right now. But these are a lot of important players. This is what he had to say about Drew Tranquil. Because we all know what happened with Kazir White last year. Said a lot of nice things. But at the end of the day, Kazir White did not end up staying with the team. Went somewhere else for very cheap. This is what he said about Drew. He said he's just a great leader, has a great feel. He represents our team really well but plays well as well. We have a lot of puzzle pieces to kind of work in this year to figure out what's the best makeup for our team going into next year. Obviously contracts and money are a part of it. We'll get into those discussions into February and try to map it out. I don't know how to feel about this. I mean, that's obviously you can tell how they feel about him. He's a Notre Dame guy. They love their Notre Dame guys. He is a leader and he does play well. Do you see this being different than the Kazir White situation? Because he also, you know, said nice things about him too. Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to delineate because uh, I, f- I feel like Kaiser White had a career year, and, and that's what did, I feel yeah. like Drew Tranquil had. I feel like Drew Tranquil really put it all together this year. I mean, he was on the field. He stayed healthy. He was excellent in coverage. You know, you saw that come to fruition with a couple of interceptions. He was able to really get after the, the quarterback this year. I mean, he was great rushing the passer. Like, it just seemed like he was shot out of a cannon almost every single time he blitzed it seemed like he got home and it's like, why didn't you see that more? I mean, this guy is a really, really good pass rusher. And, you know, I thought he did good against the run as well. I just feel like his, his whole entire game started to be looking a little more complete. And and that's what you want to see after having a guy be in the league and and really improve year after year after year. I feel like Drew Tranquil deserves to be here. Uh, He definitely earned a new contract in my eyes. 
And we know that according to, you know, everything out there, Staley doesn't value linebackers and the team doesn't value linebackers. But I do see the situation differently because last year they knew they would have Drew Tranquil and Kenneth Murray both coming out. They're coming back, I should say. Yeah. This year, who is going to replace Drew Tranquil? I mean, Troy Reader is on a one-year contract. You haven't seen anything from, uh, you know, Eamon Ogbongwamiga or Boy Bong or Nick Neiman, really any defensive snaps from those guys. There's no clear predecessor. And he also talked about Kenneth Murray as well, called him a heat-seeking linebacker, seek and destroy, and obviously seems very high on him. And he did improve, right? But he did, still, for sure. Hard to say, you know, what that impact is going to be or how much better he can be. Obviously, the best we've seen him, but that still was lacking in a lot of ways. One position where there's definitely not a backup plan right now is that right tackle. And Trey Pipkins is a guy that I think is one of the priority re-signings for the Chargers in 2023. I, I don't know how you could not try to, especially considering you're probably getting him a little cheaper because he wasn't on the field all last year. This is what he had to say about it. I'm really proud of him for a number of reasons, his development, really turning into a starting right tackle in this league, and then really how much he handled his injury this year. I mean, he is tough. He knew how much he meant to the team. He played through some things that are really difficult. To see his development from the time we got here to now, I'm proud of him and how much work he's put into it. He had a really good year for us. Again, I mean, I think that's saying all the right things. I think he's saying great things about him. He said great things about Chen Nwosu last year, right? Who obviously you end up getting Khalil Mack, so that changes the picture on that. We don't know what happens if they don't do that. This to me, David, I mean, I don't think he wants to prop him up too much. I mean, you don't want to raise his market or anything like that. But I have to think that Tom Telesco knows how important it is for them to lock this dude down because when he was out there, he was a difference maker at right tackle, and it's been a long time since we could say that. And credit to him, by goodness. When he first came to the Chargers, I mean, this guy was a guy they didn't even want to put on the field uh, as a backup. I mean, they, yeah. they had absolutely no faith in him, and for good reason. I mean, he was really, really raw. You know, you Division get the two size, prospect and all that. Right, Sioux coming Falls, out of yeah. really small schools, Sioux Falls. And I mean, when that first happened, we we're like, who the who is this and where is that? You know, that, that's kind of the thought process on on Trey Pipkins. And to his credit, you know, he really dramatically improved as a player to where you could really feel confident that this was a guy that you could rely on that. You know, that's just it's uh, miraculous for me to be able to sit here and say that about him. He really turned his entire career around. He went out there to to Duke Mannyweather and, and and paired up with Rashawn Slater and and really put, put on tape his best uh, film of his NFL career. So you really got to give him a lot of credit. And I agree, he's definitely a priority resign for the fact that he has kind of dealt with some injuries and also some uneven play. So his his market value probably isn't sky high for right tackle. And I feel like this is maybe a situation to where you can get a lot of value for a little bit lower of a contract because he hasn't proven it year in and year out. So I think you, you kind of capitalize on that. You have to take a chance and it's going to be risky because you only have one really good year, but I think he bounced back, you know, from a, a solid performance in 2021 in limited snaps where he looked yeah. like he should have been out there instead of storm Norton anyways. Yeah. But I think he's kind of a well-kept secret right now. At least I hope for the chargers to try to swoop in on that because I think, I mean, when's the last time you felt good about right tackle, you tried to pay Brian Bulaga all that money. To hope he could be out, you know, doing things that I can't Trey even Pipkins think of the last one. <laughs> it's a long time. It's been a long maybe time. Maybe Joe I mean, Barksdale for a couple years. Early Joe Barksdale, yeah. maybe. You know, that's that's probably the closest thing. But it's been forever. You have that dude in the building right now. You know he can play. And one of the true, you know, success stories, for as much as you're talking about guys like Kazir White having career years and Drew Tranquil, I yeah. don't know if I've seen the kind of leap that we've seen from Trey Pipkins. But it's massive. This is where I think. 
Tom Telesco was a little bit telling. And it was about Nazir Adderley. So I want to know what you have to think about this. This is what he said. He had some really good moments, probably not as consistent late in the year, and then coupled with the fact that Alohi Gilman was playing really well. It kind of went both ways with that. Alohi from December on was playing really good football for us, and it gave us a lot of flexibility depending on who we were playing that week. And Nas is a good football player. He's really athletic. He can run. He has range. It's more complimentary stuff, but like he played two snaps in the playoff game. I mean, he, he immediately brings up Alohi Gilman, who is going to be under contract next year. I don't think that bodes well at all for Nazir Adderley and his chances of getting re-signed by the Chargers. I had so much high expectations for Nas coming out, you know, when he got drafted in the second round. It was really a guy that, you know, I picked a, a, as a breakout candidate probably a couple of times. While he, he said him with... and Derwin James <laughs> going to be the best safety duo in the league. Yeah, yeah, man. And and I wanted that. I really wanted that. And then I saw that potential. But unfortunately, that never really came to fruition on yeah. an entire season basis. He saw flashes here, flashes there. But I don't think he ever put it all together. And, you know, to Alohi Gilman's credit, I feel like his coming out party was that Miami game. Uh, I think he, he really, really played extremely well there. That gave him a lot of confidence and swagger to continue to go out there and ball out when his number was called. And I think that effectively put the, the nail in the coffin for Nazir Adelie's tenure with the Chargers. And it still seems like they need more there. It doesn't feel like they can just run Alohi Gilman back, especially with the uncertainty with JT Woods, right? Because that's sure. the next thing. Because he was the obvious replacement for Nas. It sucks because you would love to see how it would have worked out if he didn't deal with what he dealt with the first couple of seasons with some mismanaged injuries by the Chargers and, and some things that really he didn't have as much control over and maybe yeah. how much that stunted his development you know, and having to change defenses and all that. But it is what it is. This was a big year for him to kind of prove it. And when you have to make these very tough decisions with very limited cap space, that seems like he's going to be one of the casualties because they're probably not going to be able to resign everyone we think they should resign. At the same time, you know, you have to bring some of these guys back. And a lot of it could have to do with, you know, the new coaches they potentially end up bringing in. So up next, we're going to be getting into what the Chargers are looking for in their new offensive coordinator and why they hate speed. And Tom Telesco basically reiterated, you know, there's different ways to get down the field other than just having fast players, but at least said they needed it a little bit more than Brandon Staley did. So we're going to get into that and why Keenan Allen isn't going anywhere. But today's episode, is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. This is something I'm excited about because my wife uses it all the time. And as a small business owner or hiring manager, you know that success in 2023 all depends on the team members you surround yourself with. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs because with LinkedIn Jobs, you can hire qualified candidates more efficiently by matching open roles with people who have the skills, values, and experiences to help you achieve your goals. LinkedIn Jobs is great, guys, because if you have a business, not everything can wait. <laughs> you know, you have a position that needs to get filled. A lot of times, Everyone else is having to stress out and work more because you need to get that position filled. The quicker you can do it, the better. And you want quality candidates. You won't have to be sifting through all of the things. And, you know, in the bin, you can be finding just the best qualified premium talent to your company and find someone who can make a big impact. And as 2023 starts, there's nothing better you can do for your company than to getting off at a good start, getting a new hire and helping out your business. And LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL. That's LinkedIn.com slash LockdownNFL to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. Getting back to this Tom Telesco press conference, there's a lot we have to get into, including what he thinks about the Chargers' new offensive coordinator. And... I'm going to save you guys some time when he was asked directly about it. He didn't really say much of substance. He said the one thing you always talking about has nothing to do with X's and O's. It's leadership. Joe Lombardi has leadership. That was great. You have to have that in the coach, certainly as a coordinator, because you're leading that group, whatever. I mean, 
you have to say that it is a big part of it. I don't want to underrate it, how big of a part of it. It is, of course, but that doesn't tell you anything. What you should be saying, what you want to hear, right? What we're looking in an offensive coordinator is the person that can come in here and best tell me how the best way we can use Justin Herbert is. How are you going to unlock things we haven't seen from Justin Herbert? How are you going to improve on the flaws in Justin Herbert's game? How can you change that? And also, how can you get the running game going? That was another big thing from Tom Telesco, and it's going to be a huge thing in how they end up hiring. The more interesting part, David, is what he said about Justin Herbert's input on that situation, and it was this. If he has an input on it, Tom Telesco said, I think so. I know that is what Brandon thinks, and that is the way that I've always operated with quarterbacks. They've kind of earned that. At least some contact and some thought of what goes into the process and some input. I'm not going to put too much into this. I don't think it's necessarily going to be a lot. But it is interesting to me because is Justin Herbert that guy to be vocal and to actually go out there and, and yell and, and bang his fist on the table for something he likes or, you know, some type of philosophy offensively that he wants? I definitely feel like it's important just to make sure that Justin Herbert and whoever candidate they potentially want to bring in are on that same page. They're reading that same sheet of music, for example. You know, you know, you want to make sure that these guys click, that they have the same vision for what they expect this offense to be and, you know, that they're in alignment on accentuating what Justin Herbert does well and really taking advantage of all of his gifts. That is what I definitely want to make sure of is, you know, that's the type of relationship that you want from this offensive coordinator. Someone who's going to be creative, someone who's going to be innovative and is someone who's going to utilize Justin Herbert to the best of his amazing abilities. The reason I laugh when you were saying that had nothing to do with anything you were saying more just had to do with Justin Herbert being in a room with a you know potential offensive coordinator and then the offense coordinator asks him, hey, Justin, what can you do? What can we do to make you better? And then it's just Justin replying to him. You know, I think as a team, if we just get back in here and work really hard, then we're going to find the expect. We really believe in we what have we good, have We can practice. We'll have a good opportunity to come out here and, and play. You know, Yeah, I, I mean, it's just it's tough. I mean, I, I think, you know, the, one, the great thing about Justin Herbert and something that Tom Telesco thought, or, you know, talked about is just like, Hey, you're down seven in the fourth quarter of the biggest game of your life. Like, you know, Justin Herbert's going to be unflappable in those moments yeah. and he's going to be the same even keeled dude. And I think that yes. is, you know, showed up, you know, maybe doesn't show up in the last game and the most important game of the season. But like the dude has more, you know, comeback victories than anyone since he's been drafted and more than a lot of the veterans in the league. So like, yep. that's not a problem to me. That's one of the big bonuses. But can he be vocal and yeah. make it about himself and, and what's going to make him better? Because these are the most know. important years of his of his life, of his career. Sure. Like the, He is in his athletic prime right now, and you know there is more to get out of that. You need to find that person that unlocks that truly unsealable talent that Justin Herbert has. And we just know he has no ego. Like every person yeah. to a T you ask, it's like, I, like they can't believe how there could be someone with that kind of superstar everything. Yeah, that could just have as little ego as he it was has. Just so unassuming. I do think yeah. that it can. Yeah, unassuming is the perfect word for it. He's the absolute epitome of that. But like, can he speak up and, and you know really go after what he wants and, and be you know help himself get better by letting other people or you know giving at least more insight into what he actually thinks as opposed to kind of being more yes. like, yeah, I think that would work great. You know, because it just seems like he could be kind of a yes man in that way. Hard to say. Hard to say what he's like more behind the scenes. One thing that we know, though, is the Chargers need more speed for him and more just explosiveness. And Tom Telesco wasn't really giving all of that. This is what he had to say about the team speed. And he said, Josh Palmer has shown the ability in college to get behind some people. He's not a 4-4 receiver. He's around 4-5, 4-5-2. 
Mike Williams, 6'4", 220, and runs a 4'5", and he can really affect people deep, and you have to account for him. It may not be the style that everybody likes because he's not running 4'3", but it's effective. He led the league in yards per catch. He mentioned a couple times. Over 20 yards a catch a few years ago, which he did. So he can affect people down the field in a different style. Like our group of receivers, I'd love to see some speed there. But he also said, hey, you know, if you ask my staff, I'd, I'd love to see speed at every position, which just really hasn't come to fruition with the guys that they have. They're not a particularly fast team. Doesn't compare. That, 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 I don't believe that when I hear that. Uh, that doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> but he does at least say then schematically as well. It's definitely something we need to add to our repertoire as far as being able to get down the field just a little bit more. Maybe not 40 to 50 yard throws. It can be more intermediate 15 to 18 yard crossing routes. So I think that is, you know, true. There are other ways to get deep. But you just can't deny that this team needs more speed and more explosiveness. Because, yeah, 18, 20-yard crosses are nice. You know, it's nicer when you can hit those and that dude can take it to the house. And the Chargers like don't Tyrell have Like Tyrell Williams used to do. He used to get those crossers and just hit that next gear and was gone. Yeah, and well, he was a legit 4-3 guy. But it's funny because yeah. when he was talking about it, he's like, hey, you know, I'd love to get a big 4-3 guy, you know, that can do all those things. Because Daniel Popper, to his credit, pushed back on it. He's like, hey, it's not yeah. just about – catching deep balls it's about hey you know, there are guys who can get to those spots of the field faster so your offensive yeah. line aren't blocking as long and things like that but they continue to kind of poo-poo that because i think they just think it has to be you know john ross or you know some 511 guy who runs a 4-3 and just smaller stature which they're obviously not a big fan of as far as that goes but like it's just it's too hard to deny at least you well, see some sort of you know it just seems like he's talking out of both sides of his mouth there it's like yeah. hey we don't we don't need speed you know we can access the deep part of the field and then he's like well i would love to have speed it would be great and it's like what is it tom i mean obviously we know that the chargers need more speed that yeah. that's not a not a secret it's the worst secret in this organization well that, that's why we've been clamoring for it for years because right. It's going to change the complexion of what this offense is capable of achieving when you have that type of speed that can threaten. And that's what would make the when you do throw it, you know, to those contested catch situations to Mike Williams down the field that much more effective because you have somebody that's really a drag rate, you know, drag race speed racer going down the field on the other side. And as much as they say they, like, don't need speed, I mean, he does say, I like a group of wide receivers. I would love to have some speed there. But every time he'd say that, he's like, but also Mike Williams averaged 20 yards a catch, you know, last season or a couple of seasons ago. That's that was a while saying. back. What Tom, is it? I mean, and what happens when he's out? And what happens when yeah. Keenan Allen's out? But he did give a little bit of tidbit about Keenan Allen. I know there's, you know, some people saying, hey, maybe he's the guy the Chargers could cut. Daniel yeah. Popper and his takeaways from this article or from this press conference said he wouldn't be surprised if Keenan Allen got cut. This is what... Tom Telesco had to say about it, whether it's tempting to cut Keenan Allen to save salary cap because the charges are over the 2023 cap. He said, it's not tempting to me. Good players make money. I'd rather have a lot of good players on a roster than a lot of cap space. Are you buying that, David, as far as him sticking with the team? Are you taking him for his word? For right, this season? Yes, I am I am buying that. I am taking that for, uh, you know, as his word. I do believe that. I feel like it makes a lot of sense. I do still feel like Keenan is very, very productive. I've already I've said many times, I feel like his game is, is a little bit more timeless than some other wide receivers. Sure. And he is, like I said, he's still getting it done. Like He's still a demon on third downs. He still is making plays down the field. And I feel like a new offensive coordinator could even unlock some more of that. You know, we saw him access the deep part of the field, you know, on several different occasions this year, which we hadn't seen in the past. And I feel yeah. like he has the ability to continue to do that. So yeah, I don't see Keenan Allen going anywhere. He is still a very much a big part of this offense and very friendly to Justin Herbert. 
And the hard thing is, is there's only so many guys that make sense to cut that have, you know, big savings and aren't going to cost you a ton of dead cap. Yeah. Matt Filer is one of those guys. Michael Davis is one of those guys. Keenan Allen's one of those guys. But two of those three guys, how do you imagine the scene makes it without Keenan Allen, right? Without You don't know if you're going to get a great receiver or a first-round receiver or who's going to be there. You don't know any of those things. How can you find guys to replace him and Michael Davis, who are two of your best players? On a game-to-game basis, Keenan Allen was fantastic last year. If you span his season out to a full year in the games he actually played the whole game, it's a 1,400-yard receiving season. Is it worrisome that he got pulled his hamstring and had to stay out so long? Yes. The having to come back and how long that took and how they managed that, that is concerning to me. But him being injury prone is something that's way overblown. He's, he hasn't missed you know this many games since like 2017 or something like that. So like it's been a very long time since Keenan Allen missed a meaningful amount of games. I don't see him going anywhere this season. It, it just I don't know how it makes you a better football team. I think you have to find other ways to get under the cap and work around it. But we do have more to get into because I did think it was interesting what Brandon Staley had to say about the Chargers rookie class, including Zion Johnson, Jamari Sawyer, who quote unquote saved their season, and maybe some of the under the underperforming rookies, guys we didn't see as much of like JT Woods and also Isaiah Spiller, who a lot of people wanted to see. We're gonna get into that. But first I need to tell you guys that the, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar, my favorite protein bar. And if you're looking for a delicious treat, but don't want all the fat and the calories, then you've got to try a Built Bar. Sometimes you just need something chocolatey. Sometimes you just need something that tastes like candy, especially when you're dieting, especially when you're on a New Year's resolution. The best way to kind of fill that craving is by something that tastes great. And that's the best part about Bilt Bars is they taste great. Because let's be honest, if it didn't taste good, I just wouldn't eat it. And the nice thing about Bilt Bar is the variety that comes along with it. There's so many great flavors like churro, peanut butter, brownie, coconut, almond, double chocolate. The list goes on and on, and there's a ton to choose from. So you can get that variety. You can spice things up so your diet doesn't get as boring. And they're loaded with protein. They're only 130 calories for most bars, only four grams of sugar, which is incredibly low. And you're getting great flavors as well. Right now, they're more available than ever because you can find them easily at your local Walmart or your local Sam's Club. You can go to Walmart, buy a four-bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate, coconut puffs, or you can go to Sam's Club and get a 13-bar box and get the best value. But since you listen to this show, we have a deal for you as well. If you go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKDOWN15, you'll get 15% off your next order. Let's talk about the rookies. I think the Chargers have to feel pretty good about this rookie class outside of a couple different, you know, instances. I think you got some light hits like Jamari Sawyer as a six round pick. That's a crazy value with how well that dude played. Sear Taylor as a six round pick. I think you like a lot. And then you, you have your other guys like Zion Johnson, who was a starter for you all season long. And it was interesting to see kind of how Tom Telesco felt about that. But the guy it seemed like he glowed most about was Jamari Sawyer, who he said, saved their season this is what he had to say as you move into next year as good as jamari played i feel pretty comfortable that rashawn slater will still be our left tackle man no surprise there but we'll figure out what the best role for jamari is it's a negative when a player gets hurt but the one little positive is the others players getting the opportunity and now we know what he can do rather than think he can do something it gives us the flexibility do we see him at a guard or tackle next year i don't know yet to be honest with you i'm not sure so that's interesting because to me, David, it seems like the most obvious thing, talking about cap casualties, and we've been consistent in this all along, you obviously cut Matt Filer, you save about $7 million, and then you put Jamari Sawyer in there, where he was supposed to kind of play to begin with. Yeah, it just makes too much sense. That's That has to be what they do. And, and you know, Matt Filer also showed some regression this year, too, which I think makes that decision even easier for you to make. And 
Did Jamari Sawyer save the season? Absolutely he did. I think there's no question that he didn't. And, you know, they were going to throw Storm Norton out there. And I, I have to give them credit for having the awareness to know that that was not going to be the answer and that they yeah. gave Jamari Sawyer a shot and he rewarded that confidence with play that they couldn't have even expected in their wildest dreams coming from a sixth round pick that they drafted to be a guard came in and just absolutely stabilized the left side of that offensive line filling in admirably for an all pro left tackle that was unfortunately out for the season. So you got to give all kinds of credit to Jamari Sawyer for coming in, playing a position that he wasn't exactly brought in to play, playing it at an extremely high level. The chargers absolutely hit on that late round pick. And that is not something that you can say very often under this tenure of Tom Telesco. Yeah, he was great. I mean, I think he was probably if looking at, you know, tackles around the league, maybe average play as a left tackle, which is incredible for a six round rookie, obviously. Yes. I mean, hey, what if they want him to play right tackle and they think, you know, they can find a cheaper option to play left guard? I mean, there's a lot of options. That out is there. interesting. I think they'll probably move him to guard. And I, I think the thought of having him and Rashawn Slater next to each other and the left side with those two guys it. and Corey Lindsley in the middle. I think it would be a great fit going forward, especially because the best running combination the Chargers had this year was on the other side was Zion Johnson and Trey Pipkins when those guys were healthy, or at least when Trey Pipkins was healthy. Yeah. And that was a great thing about Zion Johnson. Dude stayed healthy all season long. Jamari Sawyer saved the Chargers because the Chargers were not equipped to lose either of their tackles because the backup was Storm Norton, who was atrocious. Right. It, yeah. That's the reason Jamari Sawyer got out there. It was, he covered up some of the roster mismanagement, truthfully, from Tom Telesco, right? And, I mean, he even said himself, you know, hey, I would be lying to you if I thought that was why we brought him in to potentially do that. It's not why I did it, you know? Yeah. This is what he had to say about Zion Johnson, though, who was criticized, I think, by a lot of fans. And, you know, he did have some ups and downs this season, but this is what he said. Zion, really happy with him. He had his ups and downs like a rookie offensive lineman is going to have. I know we drafted him, and I said you can't expect him to step up and be like Rashawn Slater. What Rashawn did is just really uncommon, but Zion gave us an edge and toughness inside. He's smart. He makes a mistake. He doesn't make the same mistake twice. I just think he has a really high ceiling. He's really mature. I agree with all of that stuff. I mean, I know a lot of people are criti critical because he wasn't Rashawn Slater, and I mean, he definitely gave up some pressures to some really, really good interior defensive linemen is when he had the most problems, you know. Spoiler alert, that's a pretty tough thing to do when you're going up against guys like Chris Jones and DeForest yeah. Buckner, yeah. Christian Wilkins, and, and the really the part of the season he struggled with. But to me, David, I mean, and he's a first-round pick. That comes with a lot. I'm not down on Zion Johnson at all. I, I mean, I feel pretty good about that position for the next you know four years. It's really awesome that the Chargers were able to get uh, a left tackle like, like Rashawn Slater for him to come out and play at the just unbelievable level that he did, you know, being an all pro in his first season. But let me provide a disclaimer here. That is not normal. Okay. Yeah. That is not normal. You do not see that every day, every year. It's extremely, extremely rare for someone to come in and play that level. There's going to be growing pain, growing pains involved in playing at the NFL level. You know, it's a different speed. There's a lot of learning that you need to do. And, you know, that's what's going to happen with Zion. I feel like he saw you know, we saw some great things from him. I feel like he was fantastic in, in run blocking, very athletic, very, very strong. And I think you saw that strength throughout uh, this season. Yeah, he had his ups and downs. He had some plays I'm sure you would like to have back. That's just going to help him be a better player. 
every, you know, all these guys do not progress at the same time or on the same timeline. You got to give him a little bit more time to develop before you throw the book at him and say he's not having a good season. I feel like he played pretty well. Too soon to put labels on it, good or bad, honestly. Yeah. If, if I had to go one way, though, I would say good. And I yeah. just think that's a not glamorous position to take. You know, hey, would Christian Watson be nice? Sure. Sure. You know, some of those guys, George Pickens, sure. You could say all those things. But at the same time, for what you got and what you needed at the time, I think that's a, a position you shouldn't have to worry about, which I think is the bare minimum of what you want. And let's yeah. be honest, he was the 17th overall pick, which is probably about where he should have been. It wasn't yeah. a huge, you know, get for value there. Rashawn Slater should have been like a top seven pick oh, in yeah. that draft class, top eight pick. He was a for sure bona fide top 10 pick with how he's played so far. So it's a little different, but a couple more rookies that weren't as glamorous in 2022, JT Woods and Jamari saw or JT Woods and Isaiah Spiller. What he had to say about them is JT and Isaiah. This will be a big off season for those guys since they didn't get as many snaps their rookie year. Yeah, you could say that. I mean, healthy scratches for a lot of the season for both of those dudes. And I think the problem is, is with JT Woods just didn't look like he was straight up ready physically to tackle. Tackling was a problem. It didn't come long enough. And with Isaiah Spiller, I think he, you know, with Josh Kelly, obviously emerged, you have Austin Eckler, but the running game wasn't good. So like there was plays to be had for him. They brought up Larry Roundtree to back up those dudes on occasion. So it's hard to say. I mean, you just have to hope these dudes can put themselves in the conversation and go and win jobs in 2023, because at this point, it's hard to say they did much for themselves this season. As far as, you know, carving out a role for themselves in 2023. But, you know, what if Isaiah Spiller has a Josh Kelly-like offseason, right? You know, what if yeah. JT Woods comes back and, you know, can break out or at least come back more physically ready, bigger and stronger and things like that. That's the offseason I want guys. JT Woods to have. I want JT Woods to do what Josh Kelly did and really go back and, and rededicate himself to getting, you know, getting into great shape and putting on a little bit of weight and and practicing that tackling and really, really getting that form down because we know that he has ball skills. We know he's got some range and speed, but if he wants to be able to play on this defense under Brandon Staley, he has to be able to tackle. I think, yeah, I think there was, it was tough. I mean, when he was out there, you saw the exact things you saw in, in the preseason, which yeah. is just the dude can't tackle. He can't, right. can't do it in college. Had good reads, had a good yeah. trigger to get up to the football, was in the right area. Those are all great things. The instincts seem to be there. I think that's yeah. all positives for him. But if you can't tackle, you can't be on the field. When you're the last line of defense, right? I mean, that's part of the reason is you're at it. That's going to be huge. And I think, I mean, with Stiller, you could say the same. I don't think he's in terrible shape. No, he's not in terrible shape, but Isaiah Spiller didn't get any opportunities. He had like 18 carries this entire season. And for me, I don't feel like there is any reason why Larry Roundtree should have been active on game days at all. I don't feel like he showed anything in the preseason, didn't show anything this season that warranted him to get more snaps and more opportunities than, you know, you know, then the, you know, our, our other kid here. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't make sense. It didn't make sense in the season. You have a rookie. You want to see what that dude can do for Isaiah Spiller. He did. We didn't get to see much, but like, I didn't think Josh Kelly was necessarily out of shape. Right. Still no. came back this year looking like a different human being. Right. Yeah, and I did. think both of those dudes, the question is explosiveness. Can you get more explosive? Can the Chargers get more explosiveness in the backfield? Those are all things I think that are still kind of up in the air. If they have big off seasons, Potentially, that's something they have in their game next season. Getting bigger, getting stronger, getting faster. Those are all things that could potentially improve. And it's going to be nice to see because 
if they can get those guys who step into bigger roles, it's going to make some of these contract situations a lot easier for the Chargers on who they want to move on from. But at this point, you can't feel good about those two picks right now. They're not busts. It's way too soon to put any labels on it like that. But it's also at the same time impossible to feel good about it because you just didn't see it. So it's going to be a good offseason for that. And the Chargers are going to have to make big offseason decisions about who they're going to keep this year, not knowing that information on those two guys. And that's one thing we're going to be getting a lot into next week is we'll still be back. We're still going to be here every day. Next week, we're going to do stay or go with the Chargers impending unrestricted free agents and the guys we think need to be at the top of that list and have to get a contract and how they could potentially do that with their sap, calorie sap, calorie sap, salary cap situation that they're in currently because it's going to be tough. And we're going to have much more rookie grades of our own and a lot of those things. So make sure you guys are back here on Monday with us because we'll be back here. Until then, make sure you're following us on all of our social media and following us wherever you get your podcast from, whether that's Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever. And make sure you're subscribed to the Locked On Chargers YouTube channel so you never miss the show. If you follow us on social media, you will see the show because we post it to all of our sites every single day. You can find me on Twitter at Dan Talk Sports, David Drogmeyer on Twitter at DroTalkSD, and our show's Twitter at LockedOnLAC. We'll also be putting out a Chargers questions post for our Chargers mailbag next week. You know we're going to be getting back to that, a lot of that during the offseason. So if you guys have questions about offensive coordinator, offseason questions about who the Chargers are going to resign, maybe not specific draft picks and stuff like that yet, but everything else is on the table because there's a lot the Chargers are going to have to get into. So make sure to hit us up there or on our Instagram at Lockdown Chargers or on our Lockdown Chargers Facebook page. You can also call into the voicemail line with your questions if you want to leave a 30-second question at 323-524-7924. We'd love to get into those as well. But we'll be back with you guys on Monday with Stay or Go talking about the Chargers' biggest offseason decisions and who they could be bringing in. Until then, take it easy and go Bolts.